America, we're a great country. We all know that we have made mistakes. Remember this from history, Japanese Americans during World War II, incarcerated. It was a terrible thing, but America recognized it and tried to make good on what we did wrong. At least we did what we could. Take a look at this. I think it was $20,000 granted and a formal presidential apology to every surviving U.S. citizen or legal resident immigrant of Japanese ancestry incarcerated during World War II. It was the right thing to do. And guess who did it? Republican Ronald Reagan. We gather here today to right a grave wrong. More than 40 years ago, shortly after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, 120,000 persons of Japanese ancestry living in the United States were forcibly removed from their homes and placed in makeshift internment camps. The legislation that I am about to sign provides for a restitution payment to each of the 60,000 survivors. Japanese surviving Japanese Americans of the 120,000 who were relocated or detained. Yet no payment can make up for those lost years. Ronald Reagan, huh? And by the way, the guys next to him, I think I recognize uh, both of them. Daniel Inouye uh, in the light suit, uh, he became a senator. He was a senator and uh, from Hawaii. And I think that's Norman Mineta on the right, became transportation secretary under Bill Clinton. Both of those guys were interred, I believe, as young adults, and uh, they deserve this money. It was a uniquely American mistake, all right? We did this. Nobody else in the world did. We did it. Two Japanese Americans at that particular time in history. Now, the fake news and Democrats want you to believe that slavery is also a uniquely American sin and that we did it and nobody else did. Our original sin, right? We must acknowledge that there can be no realization of the American dream without grappling with the original sin of slavery. From America's odious original sin of slavery. Rooted in the original sin of slavery. I've seen for myself how the original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. Wow. Now, slavery is awful, but it wasn't uniquely American. Um, Certainly wasn't original to us, America. It was happening all over the world, all over the world. And believe it or not, it still happens in parts of the world, notably not America, not South America, but in in Europe, but in other parts of the world, you do see it. It's kind of crazy, but the rhetoric suggests that this is uniquely American. We're the worst. We're the worst because we're Americans. We have so much. Let's feel guilty about it. And let's come up with a reparation plan that would be realistically impossible to execute. I support H.R. 40, which is the bill that has been proposed in Congress to establish a commission to look at reparations. I have long believed uh, that this country should resolve uh, its original sin of slavery and that one of the ways we should consider doing that is through reparations. He's supported a study of reparations, which I believe is what's being discussed and studying the continuing impacts of slavery, which is being discussed in this uh, hearing. You can talk about it till you're blue in the face. Uh, It's virtually impossible to pull this off. I mean, maybe you can get political points for it, but I don't think it's going to work. And I don't think it's holding people of color back. That's my sense. Okay. 
Let's take the Holocaust. Talk about horror. Millions and millions of Jews killed in Europe. The ramifications of that will go on for a thousand years, but they have overcome, haven't they, in spectacular fashion, Jewish people. But in this country, the victim mentality is so alluring, especially to Democrats, because they think they can score political points, but they can't fix basic problems. Now, you heard some of those speakers earlier talk about white supremacy. That's a myth. It's not a thing. There are probably five of them in the country, and they should be ignored until they commit a crime. But crime, street crime, committed disproportionately by young men of color, that is a daily reality that millions have to cope with and no one is talking about. Why is that? Um, I don't know, actually. Every now and then, a leader will emerge who will confront this problem and talk about it openly, boldly, but they'll also point out that, oh boy, I shouldn't be talking about this because I could get in trouble. I wanna introduce you to somebody named Ben Ward, the late Ben Ward, former police commissioner of New York City in the 1980s. Young black men, he said, are committing the genocide against the blacks. They are ripping off the neighborhoods. They are doing the shooting, killing innocent people as they fight over their drug locations. He's talking about a certain criminal disproportionate element in the African-American community, particularly young men. It's reality. And uh, it's also one that a couple of decades later, Barack Obama was not afraid to confront. Too many fathers are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL. You and I know this is true everywhere, but nowhere is it more true than in the African-American community. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Those are pretty uh, grim statistics. Growing up without a father, I don't think we'll ever be able to atone adequately for the sin of slavery. Not original, not unique. I don't think we'll ever be able to do it. There's no practical way. But talking about fathership in the African-American community as... 13 years ago, Barack Obama was not afraid to do. That could actually get us somewhere. But now we're having a phony conversation, ignoring certain crimes and highlighting others. Have you noticed how many police officers have been shot and killed over the past few weeks? Officer Kiona Hawley in Baltimore, Maryland, shot in the head in her patrol car. Sergeant Marlene Ritmanik in Bradley, Illinois, shot while responding to a noise disturbance. Deputy Sean Riley in Wayne County, Illinois, shot while responding to a, an assist a motorist call. And Officer Richard Houston in Mesquite, Texas, shot during an afternoon call of a disturbance at a grocery store. Now, why haven't you been hearing about these folks? I've seen little bits and pieces on social media. Well, here's the deal. Um, you, how do you say this? What you need to make news to get a conversation going, a white cop killing a person of color. That's how you get attention. That's what they want to talk about. That's what Black Lives Matter can exploit 
for their own financial gain and political influence, right? I noticed uh, no police stations on fire in those early cases, but George Floyd, there you go. Something very dishonest is happening here in this country, a one-sided and totally skewed conversation, which has resulted in some of our icons being besmirched and literally destroyed, defamed, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, one of the greatest people who ever lived, who wrote some of the most beautiful words ever conceived. All men are created equal. And look what they've done to him. Yes, he was a man of his times. And yes, he owned slaves. So he has no place in this world. Uh, it's not just a bunch of uh, crazy kids. It's lawmakers in state houses saying his statue has to go, has no place here because he owns slaves. Here's what concerns me. Um, if we go there to Thomas Jefferson, if they can do this to Thomas Jefferson, they're going to do it to God and Jesus. Have you looked at the Bible lately? Have you noticed how often Jesus talked about slaves? He made points about life in parables about slavery. The master of the house would appoint this type of slave for this type of, if a slave misbehaves, it's not politically correct. It's not that he endorsed slavery, no, but he certainly did speak about it. Should he be canceled? That's what's gonna happen next. We have to be ready. How do we get ready? Not just being ready to have a fight and have that debate, we have to get closer to God. We have to know better what we are defending. I hope this makes sense. So when we come back, who is Joe standing with in this picture? Uh, well, I'll tell you right now, it's his brother's girlfriend. But why isn't Joe's brother in the picture? It's, uh, it's kind of interesting, stay with us. checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson. You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? they don't get it. 2021, we gotta find a new clip. Alright? I love that one. It was great while it lasted. We're gonna find a new one changed, what the hell year is it? 2022, pardon me. Anyway, uh, you make that mistake on the checks, right? We're all gonna say it for the next couple of months. Meanwhile, you know what the fake news really loves? Transgender issues. I don't know what it is about transgender that appeals to them so much. There are about five of these guys in the entire country, but anyway, this one is uh, Jenny Marsh, big time social media following, and uh, quite frankly, they give me the heebie-jeebies. Let me tell you something about LGBTQ rights, about trans rights. This is only going in one direction. You will respect us. You can be upset. You can be angry. You can think it's unfair. You can feel like we're stealing something from you. But it's still only going in one direction. You will Respect us. No, it just gave me bad dreams. I saw this over the weekend. It gave me bad dreams. Um, 
no respect whatsoever. We don't respect people for gender. We don't, right? Do you respect a man because of the genitals or the woman? But no, human beings, individual character, those kinds of things. If you wanna earn our respect, uh, Jeffrey, consider those things and lighten up too. All right, also this, Don Trump, uh, Donald Trump Jr. is engaged to Kimberly, good for uh, him and her. He also spoke during the Christmas break and a pretty nasty article was written about I think a pretty reasonable statement. We've been playing t-ball for half a century while they're playing playing hardball and cheating, right? We've turned the other cheek and I understand, I understand sort of the biblical reference. I understand the mentality, but it's gotten us nothing, okay? It's gotten us nothing. While we've ceded ground, in every major institution in our country. That's totally fair. Turn the other cheek, you know, from the Bible. Yeah, that is actually, when you think about it, practically applying it, it's tough. And he said, I understand that sort of, but you know, here's where we are. So a guy named Peter Weiner, who is very close to Karl Rove, worked in the Bush White House. Uh, he's a Christian, evangelical, I believe, wrote a really nasty piece. Uh, let's put it up on the screen. It was... In the Atlantic, of course, the gospel of Donald Trump Jr. You heard what he just said. Look at what they're writing about him. The former president's son told a crowd that the teachings of Jesus have gotten us nothing. Now, is that what he said? No. Come on. Oh, here we go. Uh, Trump Jr. believes, as his father does, that politics should be practiced ruthlessly, mercilessly, vengefully. Morality and lawfulness must always be subordinated to the pursuit of power and self-interest. That is the Trumpian ethic. Now, this is a Bush guy. All Bushes hate Trumps because Trump called them out over the hideous Iraq war. A lot of this is that, nothing else. And by the way, did Pete Weiner write about um, these issues when Eric Holder, Obama's best friend and attorney general, said this? But Michelle says that, you know, when they go low, we go high. No, no. When they go low, we kick them. And the swamp ate it up. It was cute. It was charming when he said it. All right. This is a moment in the debate in 2020. They just should have stopped it if it were fair and said, Donald Trump is the winner. Okay. He is the clear victor at this point. The the judges should have come in and, and called it over. Arrested Joe Biden for perjury. Take a look. You know who I am. You know who he is. You know his character. You know my character. You know our reputations for honor and telling the truth. I am anxious to have this race. I am anxious to see this take place. I am, the character of the country is on the ballot. Our character is on the ballot. Look at us closely. Reputations for honor and telling the truth. The guy has been caught lying publicly literally hundreds of times. That's why he had to quit running for president in 1987. Uh, It's wild. It's just wild how it just works out in the favor of Democrats. And so he's president. And Joe Biden has a son named Hunter. And they've done all kinds of weird business deals together. It's undeniable. It's there. It's in the laptop. You can read Laptop from Hell by Miranda Devine. It's an amazing book. 
Joe Biden trusted Hunter, and boy, oh boy, Hunter was not worthy of that trust. Bringing him to China, even Hunter knows he shouldn't be going to China. Here he is doing business on the golf course with some uh, Fugazi associates. Who are these guys at Cafe Milano? We're not quite sure. And Hunter, during all of this, was writing it all down and putting it in his laptop and smoking a lot of crack. Look, there's something to be investigated here. But no, no, they're not issuing a subpoena uh, to Hunter Biden. They're doing it to the Trump kids, well-established international business people for years, decades before their father got involved in politics. Letitia James, New York State incompetent, weird attorney general, has subpoenaed Ivanka Trump and Donald Trump Jr. in a desperate, desperate fishing expedition. This is harassment. It's one of the reasons why good people just don't want to get involved in politics and you're going to get seedy people like uh, Joe Biden. Oh, notice this recently. Donald Trump had a brother named Robert. He died a couple of years ago. Um, And here's a picture of them. And here's some pictures of the two of them from over the years. Lots of pictures going all the way back to the 1970s. These guys were Well, brothers, and you saw them in a lot of different places. Now, that brings me to Joe Biden. You almost never see him in photographs with his brother. Why is that? Remember Tony Bobolinsky? Aren't you concerned? And he sort of looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. He said that out loud? Uh, Yes, he said it directly to me, one-on-one in a cabana at the Peninsula Hotel after about an hour and a half, two-hour meeting, with me asking out of concern, how are you guys doing this? Aren't you concerned that you're going to put your brother's future presidential campaign at risk? Um, The Chinese, the stuff that you guys have been doing already in 2015 and 2016 around the world. And uh, I just can almost picture his face where he sort of chuckles and says, you know, plausible deniability. Tony Bobolinsky, military veteran, very successful businessman who knew what he was doing, summarizing a conversation he had with James Biden, brother of Joe. Also in the mix is uh, Frank Biden. You know, talk about cashing in on your name. He's not a lawyer, but he's doing commercials for a law firm. Take a look. I'm Frank Biden. I'm the non-attorney senior advisor to clients statewide who need diversified business solutions through the Berman Law Group. I'm available for consultation with attorney Teddy Berman in any of our offices statewide. Now, why the hell would you want to talk to this guy if he's not a lawyer and you're hiring a lawyer? I mean, it just doesn't make too much sense unless something weird's going on and something definitely weird is going on. And this is I don't know if it's proof, but it's something else that's weird. Joe Biden. It's very easy to find a picture of Joe Biden. You can actually find a few pictures of his brothers, but you can't find pictures of these guys together. Plausible deniability. I have a feeling all the business that's happening, Joe, brothers, contracts, they don't want to be seen together, and they aren't very, very often. Although I do have this curious picture of of Joe Biden with his brother's girlfriend at the White House. <laughs> that's, uh, that's one hell of an embrace. Looks a little bit inappropriate to me. Joe, of course, uh, has been told, hands off, but there it is. All right, 
Stay with us. We have to talk about January 6th. I know you were sick of it in July. So was I. It's nothing like what's going to happen the day after tomorrow. Be right back. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. Who's in opposition? Do you want your house back? Take it! PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. We've all heard of it. Cops get it. Soldiers get it. Um, It's a real thing. Sometimes it's overdiagnosed. Yes, it is. But it's real. Except when journalists start talking about it, like this guy on CNN this weekend talking about a traumatic phone call he had to make on January 6th. One hallmark of post-traumatic stress disorder is sort of having flashbacks um, and almost eerily clear memories. And for me, the single one that really haunts me Hmm. is this moment when I was on the phone with my editor. Um, And I was a White House correspondent, so I started that morning covering Trump. And I got a call to my editor. And the moment I hung up from that call, and, and it's such a simple, stupid thought, but the thing that rang in my head as I looked in one of those windows was, this is bad. He saw that broken window and he was forever changed, traumatized. Uh, I wonder how he would have made it as an embedded correspondent in, say, Iraq. Uh, Spent a little bit of time there myself, all right? I don't think I had PTSD, but you never know, all right? Anyway, it's a good thing his duties keep him stateside, all right? But PTSD, certain cops talk about it a lot. Remember these guys? So when you have PTS, um, I don't look at it as a disorder because you're still going and you're still getting up every day and facing the world. So I look at PTS, PTS as a, a badge of strength. Some days better than others. Uh, last week was uh, very um, rough, emotional, emotionally, and but getting the help that I need. PTSD is very much like a roller coaster ride. Some days, man, I'm just good to go. And, and then other days uh, or, or other times within the same day, um, I'm just broken. When did it become fashionable for men to talk like this, to exaggerate things like this? You know, they were all cops. It was a riot. Somehow they think that I don't know. It was beneath them somehow. I mean, sometimes it's a tough job. People get hurt. I don't know. I just find these guys despicable, quite frankly. Now, two of them wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post. The government we defended last January 6th has a duty to hold all the perpetrators accountable. This is ridiculous. Somebody wrote it for them, I believe, or came to them with this opportunity. I've gotten a couple of op-eds in the newspaper. It's hard. You've got to write like crazy. You've got to ask 100 people and maybe, maybe. Let's see what they wrote. Uh, we grieve for an America somehow divided over what really transpired on January 6th. And we are deeply concerned about the threat of future political violence that continues to hover. Yeah, no way they wrote this over our democracy. Um, You know, they're talking so much about 
what a great job they did. I love cops. It takes a special type of person to join the police force or join the military, but that doesn't mean, you know, you can just rest on your laurels. Every day you've got to produce. And January 6th was a law enforcement failure. And the fake news, at least for a little while, could not ignore what was happening right in front of their faces. You covered the Senate a a long time here. I have to, I'm sorry. I cannot believe how unprepared the Capitol Police were for today, that this, this has been this easy to happen. That's a good question. Chuck Todd, an interesting observation. Doesn't make it anymore. Why was it so easy? Hmm. We don't know that. That January 6th phony committee, they're not asking that question. They're too busy handing out gold medals for a pathetic performance. While the attack on our values and our votes shocked and saddened the nation, our democracy did survive. It did. Truth defeated lies. We did overcome. And that's because of the women and men of the U.S. Capitol Police, the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, and other law enforcement officials we honor today. I'm sorry, but as organizations, they all failed. And and as organizations, they let down Donald Trump. And I know there are a lot of Trump supporters in those groups, but this was a disaster and nobody deserved a gold medal. Got to go to CNN, you know, like a broken clock every now and then. They're right. Listen to this interesting point that uh, we've made here, but I haven't heard too many people talk about this. Important to remember, it didn't look as bad on TV as it actually was. And that's not the fault of any television network or any producer or anything. It's just most of the live shots were from far away. We didn't see inside the Capitol the horrible violence, the attacks against police. There were only a few of those videos that came out during the day. It took several days to reckon with just how violent this was, and then several weeks to learn about the security failures and all the rest. So in other words, it was worse than it looked on live TV. Interesting, because Donald Trump was watching a lot of television. We know that about him. He likes cable news. And he just said that it didn't look that bad on TV. That's what I noticed on January 6th when I was watching. What are they getting so excited about? It's a bunch of people milling around. You can go back and look at this. And I know the January 6th committee had to because they want to hang Trump. You know it. So they're looking at what he saw. And quite frankly, it doesn't look that bad. You can look at hours of coverage on MSNBC. We did the same thing. We reviewed CNN. You can watch and watch and watch. And yeah, there is a lot of this. Now, there, at one point, there are some windows breaking. But you know what? After a year of Black Lives Matter, we had seen windows break before. Heck, there was a, they tried to burn down a church across the street from the White House. And when Trump stopped that, they said he was a fascist and all that. Um, Here's Liz Cheney trying to make this observation that uh, Trump did nothing when all hell was breaking loose. The president could have at any moment walked those very few steps into the briefing room, gone on live television and told his supporters who were assaulting the Capitol to stop. He could have told them to stand down. He could have told them to go home uh, and he failed to do so. Uh, It's hard to imagine a more significant and more serious dereliction of duty uh, than that. 
Just like her father, the former vice president, lying comes easy to this Cheney as well as him. That's amazing. She is lying. That's how much she hates Donald Trump. Let's go to the record. The statements that Donald Trump put out that day telling people to stand down, to go home, support law enforcement. He said it. He tweeted it. Maybe not exactly the way Liz wanted, but he did. Why is this committee taking so long? They're kind of in a box. He did what he was supposed to do. And they know at this point what he saw. What was on television is what he was watching. What was on television wasn't that bad. So in the meantime, where are we? Well, Dunn, Fanon, all those guys, you'll see, uh, you'll see a lot more of them. Uh, we saw him during the summer. I think Dunn is going to leave the Capitol Hill Police. Nobody likes him there, although he has a lot of Democrat friends in Congress. Something very strange about this guy. There he is in uniform. Look at him when he shows up on TV. He has this uh, kind of gangster thing going with the weird hat and the big chain. Don't they have a dress code at the Capitol Police? I mean, he's representing the Capitol Police, kind of. Everybody knows you shouldn't dress like that. And uh, let's, uh, let's once again go over Michael Fanone, CNN's new law enforcement analyst. I, I really did believe that uh, individuals were just, um, you know, weren't exposed to the realities of that day. Uh, maybe been downplaying them for political reasons, uh, but when faced with, you know, video evidence or firsthand uh, testimonial evidence about what happened, that they might change their tune. Uh, I mean, at this point, a year out, if you're still um, you know, lying about the events of that day, uh, it's because you want to. The realities of that day. Here are some realities of that day that he's not acknowledging, that the fake news not acknowledging, that silly committee not acknowledging. Cops who let people onto Capitol Hill. Look at this. We have video of this. Encouraging. Step right up. The Capitol is that way. And then when some of these protesters got closer, we saw cops on either side of this corridor, just as they entered, not stopping them, not saying, please stop. It looks like they're saying, welcome to the Capitol. Please come in. This actually happened. How about when Ashley Babbitt was shot and Ashley Babbitt being shot just prior? There are three cops guarding that door. And watch this. They walk away. They walk away. It was a tense situation, but they were not being harmed. They were not being touched. These guys start going crazy on the door. Some of them, we still have not been able to establish their identity. And this is where, and there are the cops still standing there, just standing there. And look at what happens next. Itchy trigger finger Michael Byrd. There's his gun, and he's about to kill an unarmed woman who does not pose a deadly threat to anyone in violation of police department's policies and law across the country, and shoots her. Now where are those cops, by the way? What the hell was that all about? Has Finone been asked that? How about this? The entire country saw riots all over the place during Black Lives Matter summer. If you add them all up, there were at least 275 riots and they were beautiful. They were amazing. They were about social and racial justice. January 6th, the worst thing that ever happened to this country since the war of 1812. We know it's a farce. And how about the cops? Show me this. Show me in Minneapolis. 
the precinct that was destroyed. I mean, <laughs> the Capitol was open for business 20 minutes after this thing, they finished the vote. How about the way cops have been disrespected routinely? You think this could be traumatizing? I could see that. I could see this leaving some PTSD. But no, this is beautiful. This is the kind of march that Mitt Romney joins. That kind of disrespect. And how about worse? How about worse? How about getting hit in the head with a club? And the mayor says you should be fired for defending yourself. That happened in New York City. Also in New York City in the Bronx, a dangerous person suspected of an assault. They're wrestling him to the ground. He's resisting arrest. Have you seen this? Watch him get hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Have you heard about that? No, but you see Fanon, Dunn, and Gunnell on TV all the time, and they are enjoying it. Believe me, they're enjoying it, and they're making money. When we come back, truth teller and patriot Ernie Carrick joins us. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Rudy Giuliani and... Bernie Carrick, the former police commissioner of New York City, he was on duty on September 11, 2001. He did a fantastic job, very close to the president, President Trump, that is. He recently, uh, we'll discuss with him in a moment, cooperated with the January 6th committee. One of the stories that came from his cooperation, look at this, Trump allies planned harassment and intimidation campaign against election officials and weak House members, documents show. We'll get into that in a moment. But first, uh, Bernie Carrick, welcome back. And uh, listen, dealing with them overall, I want to talk about that article and the specifics in a moment. But what was it like dealing with the January 6th committee? Were they, you know, were they jerks to your face? Did they try to make it nice? What was it like, the actual process? And how did it, how did it go down? Well, the, the, the interactive process is still going on between my attorneys and the committee. But it's pretty obvious to me. They're not interested in learning anything about the substantial improprieties in the election or election fraud, voter fraud. Um, You know, the president of the United States, President Trump, gave me a waiver, an executive waiver to testify publicly to produce the evidence that we were looking at, the investigations we were looking at with regard to fraud and improprieties. They will not. As of yesterday, uh, they said they still will not let me testify publicly. They want a private deposition. And we know from past experience, their private depositions results in, you know, somebody talking to them and them leaking what they want leak to the general public and to the press. Mm. If they were serious about an investigation, if they were serious about what happened in the 2020 election, let me testify publicly. Let me tell you about the evidence that we were looking at in the various six swing states. Let me tell you about the evidence we collected. Um, So far, they've refused to do that. So uh, the documents uh, that I guess were provided, uh, the fake news has written a headline, and we showed the headline a moment ago, uh, The Independent. And I want to take a moment from the an art, a paragraph from that story, if you don't mind. Can we put it up on the screen, please? Uh, it says that the targets of the plan were to be bombarded with talking points disseminated by Trump-aligned media figures. 
you know, bombarded with talking points. They're trying to make this sound very ominous, but what's wrong with that? <laughs> I mean, I did. Well, you know what they're trying to do, uh, Greg? They're taking things out of context in those documents. What they're not writing, what nobody wrote about, no, none of these left-wing radical media outlets wrote about, was all of the evidence, the real things that we were looking at, the various improprieties, the voter fraud, the election fraud, the affidavits we collected. Nobody wrote about none of that. What they took was something out of context as far as how much we wanted to push the state legislators and electors to get them to understand what was out there, the fraud that we were looking at. And, and what really makes me laugh, they're talking about intimidation. This whole January 6th committee is intimidation. This is this is intimidation. This is harassment. This is personal, professional, financial um, like annihilation. That's what this is. And the Democrats are doing it. And they have the they have the audacity to, to write something like like it's written in some of these articles. It, it cracks me up. All you wanted, really, we wanted this thing debated under the Electoral Count Act of 1887. <laughs> there is there was a legal framework that you were operating within, and I think uh, Rudy Giuliani as well, and it's been totally distorted. Well, look, to be continued, Commissioner Carrick, uh, they're messing with the wrong former PC of New York City. We appreciate it, sir. Thanks, Greg. All right. Thank to be, you. To be continued, we'll be right back. All right, January 6th, one year ago, Thursday, the fake news is going crazy. The swamp is going crazy. So an interesting press conference today held by a senior leadership of the Capitol Police. Um, they talked about the improvements they made in security. Uh, I wasn't that impressed, but I'd like to bring in an expert. Congressman Troy Nels, he's a Republican of Texas, retired sheriff, by the way, in Fort Bend County, 30 years law enforcement professional. Congressman, welcome back. How are you? Good evening, Greg. It's good to be with you. Happy New Year to the American people. Happy New Year indeed. Sir, your reaction to what the Capitol Hill police uh, said today, it seemed a little bit vague and I'm not sure. You're the pro. What do you think? Well, I don't think you really said much. He confirmed with us uh, what we all already know, that there was, you know, failures within the Capitol Police, intelligence failures. There were failures in their training. They were not adequately prepared to deal with uh, January 6th. Uh, but there were also, I, if I could see the chief today, I would ask him the question as to your assistant chief Yolanda Pittman, who on January 6th oversaw the intelligence section of the Capitol Police. She had all the information, all the intelligence from the Norfolk office, the FBI, and she ignored it. She didn't share it with anybody. And today she is still an assistant chief of police. It's a joke. Here's what I would ask that you pass on to these folks. Because no one is asking outside of our circles questions about the cop who let people in, actively waved folks onto Capitol Hill. We call this uh, the little cop. Who is this person? Why were they waving people in? How about those cops who stood on either side of a corridor 
right by an opening to the Capitol who seemed to be, I don't know, some sort of a welcome wagon, you know, a step right in. Here's the Capitol. Of course, those cops who walked away just before Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed. There they are. These are, I mean, they talked about equipment today and, and, and windows, uh, uh, certain special windows they want to install next year. These are problems that really need answers to and need, need fixing. And I'm amazed that the media down there aren't, aren't applying pressure. Listen, the January 6th committee, uh, Nancy Pelosi's committee, they're not out to get to the truth. This is all about Donald Trump. This committee, uh, it, with Benny Thompson and Liz and Adam and everybody, they have a serious crush on Donald Trump because that's all they want to do is talk about Donald Trump and his associates. We're not asking the difficult questions uh, that need to be asked because the American people need to know the truth. And, and why were, the question is, and why were the Capitol Police so ill-prepared to deal with that day? And another good question is, why were the National Guard finally on scene at 5.10 p.m.? The National Guard should have been there on January 4th. The intelligence was there. And the American people need to understand January 6th should have never happened. If you would have had the National Guard there on January 4, and all the intelligence showed that we are going to have an issue on January 6, but it was ignored, if you'd have had the National Guard there on January 4, we wouldn't be talking about January 6, because it, it wouldn't have been an event. And nobody wants to talk about Ray Epps, Greg. Ray Epps is the one that was encouraging people to go inside the building. Yeah. He and the guy on the scaffold, move in, move up, move into the building. So totally. it's, it's a shame. It's we, a shame. We've uh, we've shown Mr. Epps, the man from Arizona, uh, the FBI doesn't seem to want to talk to him. He's just out there. It's so weird. And uh, Nancy Pelosi's role in all of this. I. Uh, all right. We're going to stay on it. We appreciate you so much, Congressman Troy Nels, Republican of Texas. To be continued, sir. We'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. On January 6, about a million people showed up because they were extremely upset with the outcome of the election. We want an honest election. We want an honest count. And we want honest people. We begin tonight with one of the biggest nationwide days of protest since the killing of George Floyd in police custody. It's very hypocritical. We're all locked down. Suddenly, please protest, riot. Our temple of democracy was attacked by insurrection. What BLM and Antifa did is actually much more akin to insurrection. January 6th was a trespassing incident that got out of hand. And they're terrorists, domestic terrorists. She was executed, she was assassinated, she was murdered. The January 6th. Looks like a great documentary. Newsmax put this together. You can see it at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Looks like I make an appearance or two. Uh, I haven't seen it. I've only seen the trailer. Uh, tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, Day of Outrage, right here on Newsmax. We thank you. And I'll be back here tomorrow at 7. See you then. Four East, four Pacific.